Hello, hello, and welcome to Women Finding Clarity. I'm your host, Pascal Cook-Fernandes, and tonight is all about your inner critic. Do you have one? What does her voice sound like? And how the heck can you change the way she talks to you? The inner critic is a powerful internal voice that often manifests as self-doubt, negative self-talk, and harsh judgment. It is the part of the mind that tends to criticize, undermine, and question your abilities, decisions, and oftentimes, sadly, even your self-worth. Your inner critic, if left unaddressed, can ultimately affect your success in life and in your business. It often leads into limiting beliefs that can hold you back from realizing your full potential. It may tell you that you're not qualified, capable, or even deserving of success. Sound familiar? Addressing and overcoming these limiting beliefs is essential for you to step into your full power. So many women venturing into entrepreneurship grapple with the fear of failure. The inner critic amplifies this fear, creating a barrier to taking risks and making bold decisions. That's why helping my clients manage and shift their perspective on failure is so crucial so they can build resilience and pursue their goals with confidence. If you're ready to summon your courage and address your inner critic so you can uplevel your income and impact in 2024, I invite you to join my small group program, Manifest Success. Whether you've already started your entrepreneurial journey or are just summoning the courage to begin, you're in the right place. This 12-week program will guide you to lean into your passions, overcome limiting beliefs that might be holding you back, and start cultivating the income and the impact your heart and soul have been longing to create. Remember, courage is the key that unlocks the door to manifest your success. If you're ready to learn more about my 12-week Manifest Success program and see if it's just what you need to address your inner critic, click on my calendar link in show notes to book a complimentary biz clarity session so you can manifest success in 2024. Our guest this evening knows all too well the importance of finding the courage to address her inner critic. Dr. Lucy Houghton is a leadership human performance scientist who has been revolutionizing the field of leadership and well-being through her novel theory on courage cultivation for women leaders. With a diverse range of experience as a registered nurse, certified athletic trainer, and emergency response worker, she has worked with top athletes, elite law enforcement, premier emergency response teams, global nursing agencies, and indigenous tribes in the Amazon forest. She has a PhD in leadership and human performance, is a registered nurse, Stanford trained as a chief well-being officer, board-certified wellness coach, co-leader of a task force for the largest healthcare system in the U.S. to reduce burnout and optimize employee thriving. Without further ado, welcome my friend, my soul sister, Dr. Lucy Houghton. Lucy, welcome to Women Finding Clarity. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Could I be more excited to have you here, right? Could I be more excited? (laughs) 
I am super excited to have you here for anyone who doesn't know Lucy. We met during a, in a business coaching um, program and we, she was so gracious to let me stay with her and her family during a retreat that we went to in California. And just to see her, like, I love Lucy as a human, as a soul, all of the things. And then to see her family unit and be allowed to intermingle energies in the energy of her family was just, oh, it was such a gift. It was such a blessing. Like, I, I know that that was very special and I felt very honored to be there. Wow. You know that you've officially been adopted into our <laughs> So my children are just enamored and they adore you. <laughs> it's because I brought them chocolate dessert. That's why. It could be. But... I mean, that's helpful. <laughs> Seriously, I come down in the morning. Lucy's getting ready for the day's event. Her husband is in the kitchen cooking breakfast for everyone. He offered to cook breakfast for me. Like you guys are just such a beautiful little, you're just a beautiful little unit. Yeah. So Lucy is a courage cartographer, like I said, and let's talk about that, Lucy. Like, what is it and how did you get here? Because it's nothing I've ever heard before in my life. <laughs> well, Essentially, it's a fun way of saying I'm a courage researcher. And um, I started out studying women's courage in particular before I expanded out into, you know, really looking at human courage. And how I got here, I don't know. I guess the way everybody gets to wherever they're going um, and maybe, maybe not everybody takes, you know, the back roads, but I think in my life, I usually take the back roads. I'm not going anywhere in one straight line. So for me, it's been so many different experiences throughout my whole life. And I think really it started when I was a kid. Uh, I had a tendency to be pretty audacious. Nothing really felt like I couldn't try it. Didn't mean I wasn't, you know, nervous about it or, or that, but I was definitely the kid raising their hand to, to do things, uh, speak up or try new things or whatever it was, you know, really take a stand for people or a cause. And my parents used to say that I was their wild child. And for a long time, I was like, I don't think that's a very nice thing. Like, I don't think they mean that <laughs> way. But what I've come to learn is they were calling my courage wildness. Because my courage was also a little untamed. <laughs> so I have, I have come to find that uh, courage is best served with a side of you know, self-awareness, social awareness, emotional intelligence. And, um, and that really roots me. So I love hearing that story about how you were as a kid and how your parents saw you. And, you know, anytime when I hear about all the things that you've done, absolutely courageous, but your energy is just so 
easygoing, just flows so gently. You're such a gentle human being. And so to think about you being like the wild child, I, I just don't compute that. Well, I think it's meant different than the way a lot of kids are described, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Even they told me one time that I had like taken in this stray dog. We called her Alf. I'll never forget. I don't know, like a rough collie or something. And I fell in love with her and I decided she was mine. I was probably about nine years old. And I don't really remember this very well, other than I remember the feeling I had about it. But she followed us to school one day and the um, dog catcher was going to take her. And I wasn't about to have that. And so as, you know, this nine-year-old child just marched up to him to let him know that she was a living creature and she didn't deserve to be locked up. And I was there to take a stand for her and just gave him, you know, the what for you gave in the business. They called my parents. <laughs> so it was those things, you know, that they were really talking about. And I've just come to find throughout my life that that has both served me very well and gotten me into trouble. And so really trying to figure out like, how do we navigate courage and why should we choose it? And, you know, what, how is it in service to us and what happens when we don't choose it so that's really it's all of those things and so many more stories like that uh, as I grew into a woman and a professional you know I've, I've done all kinds of things in my professional life and a certified athletic trainer for Olympic and collegiate um, sports and then I moved on to being an emergency nurse and then I went into leadership and nursing and that led me to wow we really need in this world as leaders to lead from a place of courage uh, until we have created organizations that lead from a place of creating psychological safety for everyone where we can all show up and you know just live in brave spaces um, where, you know, kind of boldness is just in the air, but until then we need to learn how to lead with courage. And I say until then, because the hope is, is that we need courage in times when safety doesn't exist for us and we have to choose what's right. So where, where we don't have, you know, where we see risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure, that's the places where courage shows up. And so until we have organizations that can create that for us, and always there's going to be times where they can't, um, we need a heck of a lot more courageous leaders in the world. And I wanted to learn more about how do we help people do that? So that's how I became a courage cartographer. So I map it out. I've mapped it out. And now I love it. teaching people how to do that. It's amazing. And I've been to some of your events. They're so powerful. And you lead with your heart. And you're so, you are courageous and you're just your comfortable self. And for me, I feel like that would be the goal. Be courageous to just be comfortable. Yes. And I feel like courage, it takes so much courage to be ourselves in a world that constantly wants you to be 
anything other than yourself and learning how to become our whole selves is a huge part of the path to courage. Yeah. Because how do you know what takes courage and what doesn't, if you're not even sure who you are as a person and, you know, being able to the way the world is today, the way society is today, you know, we're frequently in cancel culture. We're frequently, someone's always offended about something. And yeah, a lot of it is justified. Some of it's not. And have you noticed, because what's coming up for me is, is there a lack of courage in speaking your truth for being afraid of being canceled, of being called out? Absolutely. I was just thinking about this yesterday. I have a friend who is a CEO of um, quite a large company. And we were just kind of jamming on courage and he was just sharing, you know, one of the most difficult things that he has seen in the last few years has been that you will see somebody take a stand for what is right as maybe another business owner or someone in your company. And they just get destroyed for doing that. And so if you then as the CEO of your company are going to back them, you're now saying I'm stepping into the firefight with you, right? That, um, and, and how do you decide then, is that the right thing to do? Or should I put in my, you know, responsible for protecting my company? And I think that's where, where we're always in this place with courage of, you know, I define courage based on what was defined prior to me. So all of the researchers who had come before me, but also all of the participants in my studies helped really clarify exactly what courage is. And so I define it as deliberately choosing what is right in the face of risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure. And what I found is the opposite of courage isn't cowardice. Cowardice, that's a whole nother shame-based language that we use to get people to do things they wouldn't normally do. But instead, the opposite of courage is self-protection. And there's a time for self-protection. And self-protection also shows up in ways like protecting our families, right? Because we're also protecting I mean, if anything happens to our families, that hurts terribly. And we're not absolutely. Um, and so we want to really protect ourselves. And so it's not about a matter of, well, yes, they, they absolutely should be in self-protection and protecting their company, or they absolutely should be encouraged. The thing about courage is it is a very personal experience and the problem becomes if we are chronically setting in self-protection every time, every choice that's coming forward in that place, we're in trouble. The cost of that is way higher than what you're risking when you choose courage. 
And sometimes the courage is being courageous enough to say, I was wrong. Oh, yes. Oh, my. That's huge. I think saying I was wrong or I need help. Yes. Sorry. Are some of the biggest places that we see courage, but we don't think about them as, as even maybe being, you know, courageous. But they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like as you're talking about leaders in the workplace and their employees, like, who do you back? Do you stand and protect your company or do you back your employee? And I feel like there has to be a middle ground where you're still standing in the integrity of the company, but part of your role as a leader is to protect your employee. Because without employees, you have no company. (laughs) That's it. I mean, you know, for anyone who has more than two or who has two employees or more, lose those people and you will quickly find that you have no company when you have no employees to to be there to drive the mission forward. But I do think that there is a middle ground. And honestly, what and, and I don't even know if I think it's a middle ground, but I think that there is a clear path. And that clear path comes down to you know, really one of the um, pillars of courage or um, I'm not 100% sure even how I talk about those things yet. I've called them pillars right now, but I'm not sure that that's the best way to describe them yet. But one of them is, um, is belonging to ourselves. And inside of belonging to ourselves lives self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-love, worthiness, owning our voice and values clarity. And I think it's in that place. The path is known to us when we are really clear about what is non-negotiable, what we stand for, what it matters most to us. And companies have values for a reason. I think, unfortunately, a lot of companies create values because they feel like it's what they're supposed to do as opposed to really truly understanding that those values are your guide. They're your compass for how you now make decisions. And when you're clear about that, those decisions about how to best support that employee and your company become very, very clear. Mm, So beautifully said, you know, one of the things that a coach likes to say, and one of the things that I feel like I hear the most often is who do you want to be and how do you want to show up? And when you're leading from a place of self-awareness and love and compassion and empathy and all those things, you are showing up how you want to show up. And it doesn't mean sometimes you don't have to be tough. Because that can take a lot of courage too. For me, I do not like confrontation. And so it takes a lot of courage for me to summon that place inside of me where, you know, I have to confront someone or I need to confront someone. I'll do it. 
and I'll do it respectfully in most instances, but I also don't like, I don't like it. Yes, of course. And when you think back to courage, right, you think of what is it that you're facing that makes courage feel so uncomfortable? It's risky. It feels risky. Whether it is or not, doesn't really matter. Whether it's perception or or true risk, it feels risky. It feels uncertain because you don't know what, what that response is going to be, right? And it feels emotionally exposing. For a while in my research, I was pulling away the word emotional exposure and just putting exposure, thinking like, well, it could be physical exposure. It could be all these things. But when I dug deeper, what I really found is that without the emotions attached, the ones that feel most uncomfortable to us, the exposure doesn't actually exist for us. We're, we're willing to move through things if it doesn't feel uncomfortable. And so that emotional exposure is really important because those are the places where we're like, Ooh, right. And that's why people always say, oh, well, courage is, you know, is not, is not a lack of fear, but it's being, you know, have being afraid and doing it anyway. And I'll tell you that the fact of the matter is fear does not have to be present for courage to exist. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's apathy. Like, oh, I know what I need to do, but the fact of the matter is I don't really want to. I don't want to, I just, I don't feel like I have the energy for that right now. Right. You can right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's contempt. Like I know the right thing to do in this situation, but I am so disgusted with that with that behavior, with that, whatever it is that I don't even want to think about it. And so it doesn't always have to be fear. Fear is just the one that gets our attention the most or the quickest because it feels really uncomfortable. Right. And that is where we grow and expand the most is when we can move through those feelings. And so facing that fear and allowing yourself to be comfortable or not to not to be comfortable, allowing yourself to feel the feelings of moving through that fear. I mean, that really takes a lot of courage instead of just saying, no, no, I, I'm not going to even look at it, right? Saying, okay, I'm going to be willing to sit in this and feel all the feels and go through it and take my lumps and come out on the other side. Not only is that so courageous, and it encourages growth, but think about how proud you're going to feel of yourself on the other side of that. Yes, so much. And I think this is where learning to, to cultivate courage, this is where it happens. It's in these places. We have to be aware of them. And so one of the things like I'll do in my six month program is we look for these opportunities we, uh, we intentionally look for them and, and you don't just have to do this in business, right? This is everyday life. You take yourself wherever you are. So an example, we did this yesterday, me and my girls, we had gone to, uh, we were looking for furniture, 
Sounds oh, like- that makes me tired. <laughs> but we found like the one. We all three of us were like, this is heaven. This is wonderful. And my husband, who had said, I trust whatever you decide. <laughs> so good man. Good man. So we were all three just in love. It was wonderful. And we were, I, we said, yes, the guy was writing the the ticket up. Everything was going beautifully. And then this moment came where we found out that someone had just bought it and the system hadn't updated and there was only one. And we were so sad. Now that might sound like a silly thing to be sad about. And we even kind of giggled about that a little bit, but yet we were so disappointed that we all walked out kind of with the, our shoulders slumped forward and feeling sad. And we sat in the car for a minute and my 11 year old says, well, you know, this feels awful. I was so excited because we've been looking for months now. I was so excited. Maybe we should just go get ice cream. Yes. Whoa. That's the answer. Love some ice cream. I know. I wanted to say yes, that's the answer. Instead, what I said was, let's try to sit and just explore. What if we just set our emotions up here on the dashboard and we just notice them and try to figure out what is it that they're telling us? What are they trying to say? Because I agree with you, we could go get some ice cream and that would feel really good. And we would just eat those emotions right up, but we wouldn't learn anything. And I said, this is, you know, this is such a great place to explore because we knew nothing bad was going to happen to us. There was no harm to come from just sitting in what I call the suck of it. (laughs) I love that. Sit in the suck. That takes courage. But when you can do that in those little places like that, where you know that there's no harm to really, truly be had, you're going to be okay. It's all of those places where we build our muscles. We really build, you know, it's kind of like if you want to go on a long journey, but you just start with walking down the path for a half of a mile and just start to build the muscles. And I think every time we know where those moments are, that's the whole idea behind learning how to navigate and how to cultivate courage is so you know how to build your muscles. It's just learning a set of tools so that we're clear because there will come a day where you'll need to be able to walk the long path to walk the long journey, to really call upon all of your courage in some big ways. And so having some skills and tools and knowing what to do early on, I think those are the places where we can really be successful in living our life on purpose and truly with clarity when we know how to do those things. Okay. I said it before or some semblance of this, I'm going to say it again. You are such an amazing mother. You really are to have the wherewithal to just sit in that moment with your children and to give them that gift 
of the tools that is going to help them through times when they need to summon their courage later in life. I mean, yeah, you're just such a good mom. You're such a beautiful spirit, Lucy. You really are. Thank you. I love you. You make me always feel all the feels. So let's kind of pivot just the littlest bit then. Oh, first of all, let me just go back and say, notoriously, I would have gone for the ice cream. (laughs) And even though I said it's the right answer, it's not the right answer. The right answer is to learn how to make your way through the emotions, right? But mm, ice cream is fantastic. Anything against ice cream because ice cream has a beautiful place. (laughs) Beautiful. A couple times in the summer, we do have ice cream for dinner and I feel okay about that as a mother. You know what we talk about all the time in our family and we talk about it this way because it's just fun is, you know, what, what kind of things do you want to consume? So when you're thinking about like consuming from other human beings, right, what are you taking on? Because, um, I think it's so easy to just take on what anybody says and not really think about it. Should I be taking that on? Is this for me? Um, because we constantly have that little voice in our head. That's just like chittering away. And it's like, Oh, that's so true about you. Or, you know, all those things. And so we talk about like, are they offering us garbage or cupcakes? Like (laughs) which one is it? Right. So we talk about emotional cupcakes all the time. And then we, we also, you know, uh, have the caveat that, well, they would need to be really healthy and, um, and (laughs) way more fun to think about it as cupcakes. Well, you know, coal or diamonds, right? Coal or diamonds. But I love that you're bringing that up because that was where I was headed next is it's not even always about other people. It's so often more about what's happening inside of us, the stories that we're telling us in our own heads, our own inner critic that says, I'm not enough. I'm too fat. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. Um, Whatever, my clothes aren't good enough. I don't drive a nice enough car, all the things. And so how does the inner critic translate with a courage cartographer? So, you know, I love to talk about the inner critic. I even have a name for her. So we name the inner critic in, in our house and in my work, because I think you're, you know, you're absolutely right. It's not about other people at all. It's about how we translate what yes. Yes. that's with other people or that's with our own selves, you know, kind of goes back to that thing that you were talking about with um, cancel culture. And I think that there would be less of it if we were having these kind of conversations about what do I do when there's something in the world that doesn't sit well with me, as opposed to just saying, nope, that's done. What does it mean? What's the story I'm telling myself? Why is it affecting, you know, and just being clear about that, like really getting curious. And I think sometimes sitting as the observer of our own self. So remove your judgment about what it is that's going on and just be an observer of what are these feelings trying to tell me about me? What is it I need to know? But 
we like to call the inner critic uh, Amy, which was a very clever way that um, when I was in a neuroscience course, I heard our amygdala described. And so I often think about the inner critic, although that tends to be something we talk about as the mind and not the brain, but I think we're whole humans and it's all, um, that our amygdala is that place in our brain that is meant to keep us alive. She's all about survival. And I say she, because I like to say that, uh, you know, she's Amy G. Dalla, the amygdala. And she's the bouncer of club brain. And I also- love this so much, by the way, I'd never heard that before. So the first time I heard that from you, it was like, <laughs> so I say it all the time now to people. Yeah. So if we think about it in that way, like all the cool things happen in club brain. So all of our innovation and our creativity and our executive functioning and our big, healthy decision-making capacity happens there, but you don't get in, in your own mind until you've let your amygdala know you're safe. It's safe to explore. It's safe to ask these questions. It's safe for us to pause and just say, what is that about? What's going on? And I also like to say that our inner critic is a child too. We know our inner critic is a, is a kid because we would never on earth allow another human being to sit in front of us and speak to us the way our inner critic does. We wouldn't have friends if we spoke to people the way we allow our inner critic to speak to us. And so when we think about the inner critic as a child, I think what becomes helpful is oftentimes, you know, the reason that that's happening, oh, you you spilt that coffee, you idiot, you're such a klutz, I can't believe you did that. This is why you don't get the promotion. This is why you don't get, you know, all the things that our inner critic says. That's, that's coming from a place of fear or concern. And if we think of that in a child way, then we know the response is love and compassion. Just hug that inner critic right up, give it a big squeeze and say, it's okay. I've got this. We're okay. I love you. No matter what this is about, we'll figure it out but we're not going to talk to ourselves this way. It's not what we're going to do. We're going to say things like we would say to our best friend. Oh my gosh, you spilled the coffee. Let's get a towel and clean that up. What a cool opportunity now to go make myself some, you know, a yummy latte. <laughs> I was trying lavender lattes. <laughs> mm. Uh, You know, so just giving yourself the same compassion you would give to your best friend. And, and that, I think when we can stop and do that, if you can do that and and it takes us just a, a second, it's one of our most helpful ways of really taming the inner critic because the inner critic until it can be tamed, it will stand in your way of courage every single day of the week. And that goes right back to what you were saying with your girls. Let's just 
put our feelings out and look at them and think about, you know, why am I feeling this way and what does it mean? And it is flexing that muscle that makes it easier for you to use the next time. And then the time after that and the time after that. So when you really do need it, it's there. So, you know, if you start practicing now with the affirming talk to your inner critic, instead of I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I just spilled that whole cup of coffee. Now I've got a mess to clean up. This is ridiculous. If you can take that and say the things that you said that were so beautiful, when the really big things happen, now you're prepared. Yes, because now it's second nature. And I think as, as parents, and as mentors, you know, no matter what our life path is, we are either parenting someone, we're mentoring someone, we're coaching someone. That's happening somewhere in our life, whether we know it to be true or not. And I think when we can practice things out loud, even, so which is its own, you know, part of courage. So it doesn't mean that's step one, but as you get, comfortable practicing those things out loud gives other people permission we know courage is contagious but so is the opposite of courage and so when we're practicing our skills and our tools out loud and others get to witness that from us it gives them permission to give it a try because they can see with us that all of there there's, it's really not high risk. It's really not high emotional exposure truly. And, um, it's really not that uncertain when I say out loud, Oh goodness, look at this. You know, I'm just going to pivot and then I'm going to pivot in this way and it's okay. It's okay. Me. <laughs> and you do that. And then others are like, Man, I don't think that's the way I would have done that. And they start to have this awareness now of, um, of how that can look different. You know, my husband and I, we've been together for, I don't know, like 18 years. I think we've been married 16 years, something like that. And he used to say all the time, oh, I have terrible luck. It's, it's the Houghton curse. I heard this. Oh my God. We have the Fernandes curse. I'm air quoting because, and now my kids will say it. Oh, it's the Fernandes curse. I'm like, stop it. There's no curse. And if it, if there were, the curse was broken with you. <laughs> I love that. And the reframing is so important because we say silly things like that out of a joke, but not recognizing how destructive it truly is for us because our brain does not care if it's true or not. We'll respond accordingly. And so anytime where I would get like a, um, you know, a close parking spot or something and, and my husband would say like, oh my gosh, your mom's got such great luck. And I would say, no, 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 no. Uh, we, there is no curse. The, the universe wishes no ill will for you. We wish none on it. All is well. There is, you know, we're going to delete. That's what I always say. Like we're deleting wherever this thing came from. We delete the Houghton curse. There is no curse. There is, you know, we are, we are here all about goodwill and 
now I hear him say, wow, you know, I'm, I, this happened to me today. And he starts focusing now on those good things, as opposed to what we could have seen as unfortunate. And our brain's going to find whatever we ask it to, right? We can do this really fun thing. You want to try a really fun thing together? Because everyone- You know I do. I have the courage to say yes. Everyone who listens can try this. Okay, here's what we're going to do. And this just can show us how important it is for us to focus on these things. So I want you to look around your room right now and find and count in your mind, count every orange thing you see. Just count it out. How many are there? I'm going to count two. Got a lot of orange in this room. I have a lot more orange than I thought. Okay. Here's my question for you. Are you ready? Ready. I'm still looking around. Go ahead. How many green things were in your room? I have no idea. Right? Because we tell our brains what to focus on. Yes. And that's what happens. So that's why it's so important, right? To work with all of these things. That was so powerful. <laughs> that was so powerful. I And just in that short time, I'm like, wow, 11. I've already found 11 orange things. Who knew? <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I didn't even think I liked orange all that much. <laughs> Clearly you do. Yeah. yeah. But what a powerful exercise and what a powerful way to explain to someone just how that really works. You know, my husband, like I said, same as yours always, oh, it's the Fernandes curse, the Fernandes curse. And something would come up about money. And I would say, it's going to be okay. It'll show up. It always does. And he'll say, no, it doesn't just show up. You have to work hard and da, da, da. And I'm like, well, yes, but it just somehow it always works out. And so that became the thing of somehow it always works out, especially around money. And then a few years ago, he was like, you know what? Like, I have no idea how we just got this money, but somehow it always works out. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and doesn't it feel so good? It's like, ah, oh, you're getting it. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's the thing, right? To remember that even though in courage, we walk our courage paths we are the only one who can walk our courage paths, right? Yeah. We're the only one. However, if you can do that with others on the sidelines and at, you know, the finish line or whatever it is, if you can do that knowing that there's others alongside you also walking their courage path, that if you fall and stumble, they're going to reach out, help pick you up, dust you off, right? They can't do the walking for you, but you, you're still having to do that part, that they're there for you. And I think, you know, that's what you really just described is that place of how we can be in support of one another's um, courageous paths, even in the simplest things of how we shift the way that we talk to ourselves 
um, because it, it, it's incredibly powerful. And one of the things I love about it, it's an easy place to start. So there's not much at risk for us to start in just shifting the tiny ways that we talk to ourselves so that when we're ready, we can then start taking those bigger steps in really getting into you know, our self-compassion, owning our voices, creating you know, really safe spaces for us to get curious and honest and open with ourselves, which feels definitely more um, exposing because we don't know what, always what we're going to find in there. <laughs> so I think this is an easy place for us to just start building our muscles and hugely powerful in the way that your life will transform in doing one thing, just starting to tame your inner critic. Yeah, that is very powerful. And it's some great advice. And going back to something you said earlier, is that just by you doing that work to speak differently to your inner critic, you know, is a great reminder that everything you say and everything you do is giving other people permission to do the same. And so the way that you speak to yourself, you're giving people permission to speak to not only themselves that way, but also you, yeah. right? And so how do you want other people to speak to you, speak that way to yourself. How do you want to show up in the world? It, you know, all those things. And that's what's so amazing about you and working with you is that you're such a gentle energy. I've never once since I've known you felt like you were ever judgmental or blame casting, or you always just have this way about you that makes other people feel safe. And that's the beauty of working with you, especially if you don't even know where to start. Thank you. <laughs> I, I like losing words for all of your, your, the kind things that you have to say. I, I do feel like, you know, just to be clear that of course, uh, I work with I constantly have to work with my mind and showing up in judgment and blame sometimes. What do you though? Those things come up has been so powerful in my life. You know, I show up as a completely different human being in all areas of my life. In particular, you know, what I found in the courage research, I was starting out researching how women leaders navigated or or summoned courage in the workplace that's what I was really studying but what they would say is well I can't think of a time there but let me tell you about and they would tell me about times in their lives in their personal lives and and what I think is so interesting about that is because those are the places where things do feel the most risky, right? Oftentimes, not always, um, but oftentimes in our personal lives, with our family, with the people we love the most, 
those places feel most risky because they have what we would feel would be the most weaponry to, um, you know, to, to cause harm. Now, we hope that that doesn't, that that's not what's occurring. You know, we don't ever want things to be weaponized. And, but that's, that's what we're afraid of with love, right? That's, that's what we're worried about is if I give myself over in, in these vulnerable ways and you know all the things that are going on in, inside my heart, that that leaves me exposed. And in the truth, you know, it, it is its own vulnerability. There is no doubt, but I think that that's what's so important about belonging to ourselves first. It doesn't mean that we only belong to ourselves, but that we belong to ourselves first so that we can stay in our integrity and stay in our courage when those things happen. But we also can create curiosity and exploration when those things happen. And that's how we have those difficult conversations, right? I mean, <laughs> I think as, uh, you know, when, when we go into holidays, we see this start to happen a lot because a lot of people are together and not people who always see eye to eye. And that's another thing about courage. My courage is going to look wildly different than your courage. What I feel like is the right thing to do may be exactly the opposite of what you feel like is the right thing to do. And that's what makes humanity really complex. And we have to kind of straddle these paradoxes. But when we are clear that if I belong to myself, I believe in myself, which is like that willingness to be vulnerable, trusting ourselves, ownership of our actions, when we create safe spaces for reflection, no matter where that is, maybe that's on a walk with your dog, or maybe that's in the shower, or maybe that's talking to, you know, someone who is really trusted um, person for you, that we can really embrace that discomfort and trust our own intuition in those places. And then we're connected with others. So we have connections and support from important relationships around courage, where we see other people being courageous too. We can have shared experiences there. We can have mentorship, vicarious learning that happens. When we're really clear about all of those things, it gets way easier to say, well, in the past, I would have judged and blamed and shut you right out. <laughs> and today, I've, I've got some, sh some foundation around me to just stand in it and say, tell me more about that. Ooh, you know, that, that felt a little painful and, and I'm not sure what that means yet, but I love you and I want to learn more. Here's what's okay. Here's what's not okay as we explore this. What a different way to show up and how different the world would look if that is how we led. Yeah. Lucy for president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you so much. I could talk to you forever. Sorry, I just got a little cough. 
Um, tell me, is there anything that you would like to offer listeners before we close out for the day? Oh, I feel like one of the, one of the tools, maybe that could be most in service for anyone who listened to this and found value is I have a tool called the courage cartographer's guide to taming the inner critic. And um, I would be more than happy to offer that to anyone who, you know, who wants to just, whether you want to dive in like full on, or you want to stick a toe in and, you know, test the waters, this guide will just give you simple ways to start um, exploring around taming your own inner critic. I love it. Thank you so much for that. I've seen so many things that you put out into the world. So I know that there's not a person who's not going to find value from this gift. Lucy, you are a gift. I treasure you in my life. I feel very blessed to be in yours. And I so appreciate having you here today. Same. Thank you so much. It's been delightful. And I love every moment I get to spend with you. How much did you love Dr. Lucy Houghton? Seriously, she is such an amazing friend, such a beautiful human being, and such a leader in courage. I would follow that lady anywhere. If you'd like to learn more about my 12-week manifest success program beginning in January and see if it is just what you need to find forward momentum, click on my calendar link in show notes and book your complimentary biz clarity session now so you can manifest success in 2024. Wishing you the happiest, most abundant new year. Remember, the universe is abundant and success is your birthright. Let's align, elevate, and thrive together, one conversation at a time. Good night. Thank you for being in our Women Finding Clarity community. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite listening platform and share it with someone you know so they can find clarity from the conversation as well. Remember, the universe is abundant and success is your birthright. Let's align, elevate, and thrive together one conversation at a time. See you next week.